MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Las Vegas for Cubs Cubs with myself, Greg Eves Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you guys. We're going to be taking a look at the SEC in segment number two with Blake Lovell. He does amazing work over at Southeastern 14. On top of that, I know that he does a great job year in and year out with Blue Ribbon Yearbook, helping everyone get set for the upcoming college basketball season. That guide is very good for getting you set for the upcoming campaign. I know that the field of 68 last year had their almanac. That's a very good resource as well. But we're going to be chatting with Blake about what we've all seen from the SEC teams thus far this offseason. What have really stood out to him. A little bit of what we've been seeing in Ole Miss as well. Because they bring in Chris Beard. He brings in a seven foot five center in Jamarian Sharp to be able to help him out. Florida has been making some interesting moves. And we've seen a lack of moves from one blue blood in the conference as well. So we're going to be talking about that in segment number two, what might be happening over there. And something else we're going to be diving into as well, NBA draft decisions, because the deadline for declaring for the NBA draft is coming up very quickly. That is going to be a hot button of discussion because when it comes to the NBA draft, it the deadline for withdrawing is actually after the deadline for putting your name in for the transfer portal, which is coming up in about two weeks. The deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft is May 31st, so that's going to be causing a very nice kerfuffle, and I am very curious as to what those shows are going to be lying ahead of us, but we're going to be chatting about that with Blake in segment number two. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes we saw in college basketball on Monday. As I always like to say with some of these, there weren't necessarily a bunch of flashy names, but there was a lot of stake. There's a lot of guys who are going to be nice role players, what have you, that were on the move on Monday. So I'm going to be rounding up all those in the final segment, and we've got about 21 minutes of them. So we did see quite a few moves. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, and fortunately, we do have a lot of short segments as of right now, just to tell we do have a little bit more clarity in the transfer portal where you know where these guys are going and I'm able to do some conference and team previews, but coming next, we do have a great chat with Blake Lovell on the flip side right here on Coast to Soups with myself, Greg Eames and now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and 
and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Las Vegas for Gus Gussies with myself, Greg Eves Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as Blake Lovell does an absolutely terrific job taking a look at all things college basketball. And for those that are fans of college baseball as well, all things when it comes to the SEC, as Blake has done an incredible job all offseason long taking a look at what we're getting in terms of the transfer portal, in terms of what we're going to be seeing in the SEC. And I know that he does a lot of contributions over there at Blue Ribbon Yearbook. I know that he right now is very hard at work trying to do as much work as possible on those previews. So very difficult to do when you've got 100 million billion guys in the transfer portal. But I know that he is doing his best to get to work there and to be able to follow Blake on Twitter. That is at the Blake Lovell. Last name is spelled L-O-V-E-L-L. And Blake, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. I always enjoy it, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining me, Blake. And Blake, it has been a really interesting year in the SEC, and we've seen a lot of moving parts with quite a few teams. But out of the teams that you really cover the most in the SEC, which one stands out to you in terms of the moves that they've made? Because I think that there are two that come to the forefront to me in Ole Miss and Florida, the way that they've been attacking the transfer portal. And obviously with Ole Miss, the coaching change 
that they made. But what's really been standing out to you this offseason in the SEC? Yeah, those are two significant ones. I mean, I think when you just look at sort of Florida, I think they had a disappointing, you know, first season for Todd Golden. And they realized they needed to really change up the roster a little bit to, to get where they wanted to be. And I think the guys they're bringing in will be able to do that. You know, we talked about them before and some of the guys they've landed, Tyree Samuel, Walter Clayton, Myona, uh, EJ Jarvis, Micah Hanlogan from Marshall. So they've, they've got a really good group, I think, coming in that, will help them in some areas that they really struggled in last season. You talked about Ole Miss, not the same situation, but a coaching change. And you looked at a roster, I think, and realized there were certainly some deficiencies there in terms of what they could do offensively, you know, on both sides, really. But now you see what they're bringing in, Brandon Murray. You know, a former SEC guy at LSU, went to Georgetown, now comes back uh, at Ole Miss. And, of course, Jermaine Sharp um, at 7-5. You can't really teach that. And so that helps. And so – yeah, I think that's what you're going to see. I don't know necessarily if Ole Miss will be able to change everything in year one, but you can tell they're kind of starting to build a roster, I think, that will really help them moving forward. And I think, you know, the team and the coach, we always mention when it comes to the word transfer, Greg, and that's Eric Musselman. I mean, when you look at what he's put together in Arkansas, I think they've certainly been one of the bigger winners and kind of just impact teams in the transfer portal. When you consider everything they brought in from Jermon Mark to Khalif Battle to L. Ellis, you know, Davenport, Benefield, Plus, you know, the guys that, that are expected to have some of those guys coming back, getting a healthy Trevor Brazil. So I think Arkansas will be right there in the conversation. But, yeah, like you said earlier, SEC, as usual, kind of this time of year, you see a lot of moving parts, but a lot of good, I think, for a lot of teams in the league. And I'm so glad that you mentioned LSU as well, because LSU had a relatively solid start to the year last year. It wasn't looking like they were going to be a top 25 team or anything like that, but you could tell that towards the early part of the season, it felt like things were rolling under Matt McMahon and company. Things fell apart in SEC play, but now they revamped things with four players coming into the transfer portal after they really did wipe much of the slate clean from last season. How do you view the LSU Tigers? Because I almost feel like this is a year one A for them with how much they did lose in the transfer portal. But I do think that being able to revamp that backcourt with Carlos Stewart and Jalen Cook is a very good place to start. Yeah, it's a huge place to start, I think, just in terms of what those two guys can do. You know, two proven guys, I think, come in. And obviously, we've seen kind of a theme for Matt McMahon. He's looking at the transfer portal and, and said with most of these guys, I guess outside of Will Baker, I think he's from Texas. But, you know, Carlos Stewart, Jalen Cook, even Jordan Wright, which we know, um, a lot of experience coming over from Vanderbilt. He's got Louisiana guys, and I think that's going to help them too, not just from the standpoint of, hey, we had a really bad first season, kind of rebuilding the fan base a little bit and sort of building that community aspect. But all these guys can play. And I think when you look at it from that standpoint, we've always talked about in the SEC, definitely a league where, you know, you've got to have strong guards and you really need some depth at guard. You don't just need two guys. Like, you need some depth there to be able to work with. But I think having Stewart and Cook, that's a great starting point. And, again, you've got some versatile guys, I think, that will be able to do multiple things. And, you know, Jordan Wright's one of those guys too. But I think these are some clear areas of need uh, that these guys are going to fill because, like you said, I mean, it's honest though, going into, what, they were 12-1, and something like that, like – I looked in and said, maybe this is a team that could surprise some people, but they just could not score enough once they got into SEC play. And I think they've really tried to address that, going out and getting some guys that are pretty proven in that area and just some tough kind of you know older type guys too can really make some plays. Yeah, I think it's been a really good offseason for LSU too. Absolutely. I think that they've done a great job this offseason as joining me on the podcast. We do have Blake Lovell who does great work over at Southeastern 14. And we're talking about all the moves that are being made. How about if we highlight something that we have not seen? And by that, I mean, Kentucky has not picked up a single player via the transfer portal this offseason. I'm not sure if perhaps their approach is waiting on these guys that are in the NBA draft and waiting for them to withdraw or not, but I find it very befuddling that Kentucky has not went out and gotten any guys in the transfer portal. As we know, they've got a very nice recruiting class that's coming in, and they do have some experience that is going to be returning from a season ago, but have you found it to be a little bit strange that they have yet to pick up a single guy in the portal? Yeah, it's interesting. And it's like you said, I think it's probably a, a combination of they're trying to figure out who they're going to have on the roster. Whereas I think guys who are looking at Kentucky are probably also trying to figure out who else is going to be on the roster. And so it's made it very difficult, I think, for Kentucky to, to probably navigate that, just knowing that there may be a couple guys of that group that ultimately could come back. I mean, from that standpoint, you know, and then obviously the freshman class they have coming in, I mean, I think it's just pretty clear that you're going to have a lot of guys there that 
are expected to play a lot of minutes. Um, and, you know, that always factors into the mix too. But as you and I have talked about many times, Greg, I mean, what's the theme of the offseason? It's transfers that have experience. Well, Kentucky's going to bring in a great freshman group, but hey, is this a decade ago where you can kind of just roll that out there and expect to beat all these other teams that have loaded up on experience? That's the question. And I don't think you can, even as good as this freshman class could be, so, yeah, I think it's really just a matter of seeing what happens with the guys who have declared for the draft, trying to figure out how they're going to kind of navigate that. And once that gets a little more clear, look, you don't have the same pick in terms of the group that you would have had, you know, two or three weeks ago. But you've got to believe there are still some guys out there that are going to be on Kentucky's radar and have a chance for Kentucky to really you know, get those guys in there should some of these pieces kind of fall one way or the other and they have a much better idea of, of what you know the rotation will look like going into next season yeah no question about it there are quite a few interesting decisions to be made by Kentucky here in the offseason I do think that that is going to be interesting to take a look at and one team that we have went about seven eight minutes without talking about that'd be Alabama because as we know Alabama they're always going to be active in the transfer portal just with the way that NATO's runs his system, one of the fastest paces in all of college basketball. You need depth if you're Alabama in order to be successful. I think that they've done a relatively solid job this offseason, but we know that it's been a little bit tumultuous as well because they were going to be bringing in Jaquan Walton, who was over at Wichita State. He was arrested, and then he was kicked off the team pretty much the second that he got booked. So they are currently left with Latrell Wrightsell along with Aaron Estrada coming in, and I think that these are nice pieces, but I don't really look at them as game breakers, especially with Estrada having already tried to go up to the power conference level. When I was at Oregon, he was only able to register three and a half points per game. Certainly think that this time around, it's going to go a little bit better for him. But what have you made out of Alabama's offseason? Because they are going to be losing quite a bit from that talented team from a season ago. And while getting the two guards in right cell and Estrada are good, I do think that they're going to need to address what they're going to be missing on the boards from a season ago as well. Yeah, this isn't going to be the same Alabama team. I think, you know, we had talked about last season. That was one of those teams that probably doesn't come around very often. And that's why I think they certainly felt disappointed in terms of not being able to make it to the Final Four, just because, you know, they were the number one overall seed. And you looked at the roster up and down and said, I don't know how, you know, if you're Nate Oates, just from the basketball standpoint, you could have built it much better in terms of the pieces that all sort of fit together. Well, this roster coming in, you know, next season, you're obviously still waiting on a couple of those guys to see what they ultimately decide to do. I think, you know, it's one of those things with Sears and Betty Ako, obviously having Betty Ako potentially return, that would be significant just from a front court standpoint. But, you know, when you look at the guys they brought in, yes, like these are guys, and we always say that the phrase, right, like transferring up. These are guys who are transferring up. Look, Mark Sears sort of did the same thing, but he was kind of someone that I think you were just 100% confident that he was going to be just fine. And not to say that Estrada or Wrightsell aren't going to be, but I think, you know, again, you just kind of look at that aspect of it and knowing what's expected, you know, in the Alabama playing style and the system that they play, those are high expectations. And so I'm very curious to see if the experience of those two guys can really help them be key pieces for that team because they're going to need them because, you know, as you said, right now as it stands, I don't look at the Alabama roster and necessarily see the depth that I saw last season. And I don't think anyone would sort of, you know, scoff at that. I mean, it just kind of is what it is, but can they continue to kind of build a few more pieces around them? And like we said, should it just be a matter of some of those guys returning? Um, that will probably be the biggest question in that regard. Yep. I think that it is going to be interesting to see how things shake out for Alabama. I know that they've got a few draft decisions that they're waiting on. They're going to be bringing in some freshmen to be able to help out as well, but I would fully expect them to not be done in the transfer portal to save lease as well as we do at Blake Fubble. It does great work over at Southeastern 14. He is joining me on the podcast. And in terms of draft decisions, because we obviously do have a few in the SEC, but which one's nationwide, whether it is the SEC, the Big Ten, you can name off any conference, do you think are going to be the most impactful? Because typically when these guys do withdraw from the NBA draft, they oftentimes do put themselves in the transfer portal. That causes a lot of hoopla. We saw it with a guy like a Kendrick Davis, for instance, last season who decided to go over to Memphis. But or a few guys that you do have your eye on that you feel like might be right on the borderline and could be a big difference maker if they either return to school or enter into the portal. Yeah, Greg, I mean, probably know where I'm going to go with one of these guys. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we just talked about Kentucky, but I think it's very clear, like we said, one of the biggest dominoes is really, you know, Oscar Sheepway. He's the best example, I think, of you talk about a guy who could either return possibly. I think, you know, you sort of look at where the momentum's leaning towards. And again, I don't know that Kentucky necessarily expects him to return. 
at this point. But I think that is one of those things, right? And it's not just him. It's the other guys out there that are maybe, you know, not to that national player of the year level, but other guys that we've always said, when you look at guys like this who excel so much in college, and now, you know, you kind of look at the situation that presents itself of going to the NBA, not necessarily knowing where you're going to get drafted. You're not that surefire type, you know, lottery pick guy, but knowing the NIL stuff that exists now, and I just think he's such a fascinating situation. And like you said, it's certainly still a possibility. I don't think that's necessarily the direction this thing's going to lean in, but that's kind of the magnitude of these kind of decisions. And, you know, you've kind of seen a lot of people out there saying, hey, which I'm sure Kentucky fans are making the case, which maybe not all of them, but sure, we'd love to kind of make the case as to why you should return to college and those kind of things. But But I do think that's probably of the group, even if we kind of have an expectation that he's going to go the professional route and maybe do it that way, I think he's probably still the biggest domino. And again, we're talking about, like we said, the difference between a Kentucky team that's probably going to be ranked in the top 10, Greg, um, there's no doubt about that, or a Kentucky team that, you know, quite frankly, could be ranked, you know, wherever, two behind Duke. I, I don't know. Like, I think that's certainly what you look at with, with that kind of decision. And so that's certainly a big one that's still kind of hanging out there. And I think a big decision as well is what is Georgia going to be able to get in the transfer portal to complement the pieces that they have thus far this offseason as well? Because I think that they've been one of the more fascinating teams in the portal as well. They bring in the seven-footer Russell Chewa, who was over at South Florida. R.J. Melendez, a former top one recruit that at six foot seven, he doesn't do one thing great, but he does a lot of things relatively solid. They bring in Jalen DeLoach from VCU as well. They really don't have that main ball handler, though, and they lose that off-ball score in Kerry Oquendo. What have you seen out of Georgia this offseason, and what do you think they need to add? Because I take a look at the team, and I feel like if they could get that one sure-fired guy that's just able to help run the offense, is able to give the team a little bit of stability, they could be able to surprise a little bit in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, certainly made strides last year. I mean, I think we all believe that Mike White was kind of that guy that, look, if there was anybody that can sort of just get them back to that even sort of spot, which, as we said, I mean, I wasn't going to take a whole lot for them to be better than they were the year before because – you know, they were just in such bad shape as a program. But you look at what they did last year and you see some of these guys returning. And I think that's the really important part of this team. Like you said, they're building with some of the guys they're adding to the mix. But now if you just look at the guys they have coming back, some guys that maybe have a little more confidence in, in terms of what they can do, I think that's one where, look, they can build into being kind of one of those teams that takes the next step maybe this next season. Now, I still think they're probably at least a year away from getting into, let's say, that upper tier, being an NCAA tournament type team. But the thing about the SEC, we've discussed this last offseason, Greg, was you know it's one of those things where you have so many new coaches kind of coming in at the same time. And for Mike White, he's a new coach at a different school, but he's not a new coach to the SEC. And I think that gives him a little bit of that understanding of we know that we've taken the first step this past season. Well, now how do we take the next step? And you're looking around and seeing which programs are going to be able to go up and which are going to go backwards. I think Georgia's going to continue to be one of those teams. It's just going to kind of continue to shift up a little bit. Now, it may not be that huge jump that we've seen from, let's say, a Missouri or something last season. But I do think they're going to continue just to kind of push forward because Mike White's certainly got connections in terms of recruiting and those kind of things. And so I, I think they are heading in the right direction. Having a good recruiting class coming in, having, you know, three guys right now, I guess is, I think is the number, new guys coming in, transfer portal, but also bringing back some of those solid rotation guys who are older. Yeah, maybe George is one of those teams that they could kind of fly under the radar heading into next season. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to gauge these teams in the SEC and what we're all going to get in the transfer portal in general. And Blake, I know you're doing a tremendous job on this front over at Southeastern 14, and I know you guys over at Southeastern 14 do a little bit of everything. I know that with the NFL draft just finished up, I know you guys were doing a great job taking a look at everything on that front. As we know, the SEC is king when it comes to college baseball as well, but your main beat is taking a look at college basketball. I know that you're going to be getting set to do a lot of conference previews and so much more as well over at Blue Ribbon Yearbook. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, I always appreciate it, Greg. Like you said, when all the SEC stuff, you can find it all southeastern14.com. We're on YouTube, uh, Southeastern 14. You can search for us there. 
lots of videos up looking at just kind of tracking these transfers would never stop but hey they have to stop at some point you know it's there's an official window so there will not be transfers coming up here in a couple of weeks but yeah we've got them all covered there and everything else you can follow me on twitter at the black level and if they do violate that window the ncaa will indeed be coming after them in 2033 so be on the lookout schools you're going to be getting as punishment in nine years most likely That's probably for... a little early greg it's probably a little early may, may take at least a decade so it'll probably be handed to a school that's not even at the division one level yet it'll be some school that entered into the d1 level in like 2029 you get to serve the punishment of insert your power school here i'm not going to name any schools to be fair but and it's the way that it always goes but the way it always goes on this podcast is when we get Blake level aboard, he provides great insights and did so once again today. A big thanks to him for joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Coming next to this at Time Podcast, they give you a roundup of all the news and notes we saw in college basketball on Monday. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here, love you, Las Vegas, for Gus Gussies, with myself, Greg Ips Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. Always great to get Blake Lovell aboard. He does a great job over at Southeastern 14, taking a look at the game that we all know and love, and he does so all 12 months out of the year. I know that he has had a big hand last few seasons in helping out Blue Ribbon Yearbook with all of their coverage as well. So, great to be able to get him aboard today to take a look at what we're all getting in the SEC. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes that we saw in college basketball over the last 24 hours. And, hey, let's start with a school that we were talking about in Georgia. And one of those moves that was made by the Bulldogs on Monday was bringing in the 7-footer in Russell Jawa. He last season over at South Florida was able to put up some nice numbers. A 7-footer that was able to pull in their 8.5 rebounds. 11 points per contest. Would like to see him improve a little bit with his shot blocking. He's averaged 0.3 blocks per contest throughout his career, but someone that should be able to help out down low for a Georgia team that was not good on glass. Would like to see Georgia be able to pick up that good guard or good scorer to be able to replace what they lost during the offseason with Kerry Oquendo going over to Oregon, but I do like what this Georgia team has been able to do. We talked about it in the last segment with Blake Lovell, so I do think that there are some good moves that are being made there. Jalen Jackson-Posey, he last season was playing at Stone Cold Steve at F. Austin, and he has decided that he is going to be going to New Mexico State. Obviously, with New Mexico State, one of the most strange situations that you are ever going to find with them getting shut down for hazing, but with Mr. Jackson-Posey, I do think that he's going to be able to fit very well with this program, a program that I think is going to be valuing defense under the new regime as for Jackson Posey, last two seasons at Stone Cold Steve F. Austin has registered 1.3 steals, about 7.5 points per contest. Before getting injured, was shooting 44.8% from three this last season at Steve F. Austin. Career numbers are more around 34% from three-point range, but during the 2021-22 season, was the WAC sixth player of the year. So I do think that there is quite a bit of value with him. He's able to shoot it from three. He's able to generate some steals. So a good gift for New Mexico State team that they just need things in general to be going northward. And they could use some positivity because, well, the last 12 months has been a little bit less than that for them. Emmanuel Bonner has decided that he is entering into the transfer portal. We've seen quite a few transfers from High Point this offseason for Bonner. He spent the last two seasons at High Point and has been a solid rebounder for the team. Last two seasons, 5 and 5.4 rebounds per contest, averaging in that time span about 4.5 points per game. Not a guy that's going to light the world on fire or anything like that, but at six foot eight, a relatively good guy on the glass that you're able to rely upon. So I do fully expect there to be some low to mid-major team to be taking a shot there. Always good to see this. Pantolites Pavadias. He was playing at Hartford this last season. He has decided that he is going to be going to Stonehill for Hartford. As we know, they are going down to the D3 level for this upcoming season. And Pavadias, he was one of the best rebounders for the team. 8 points, 5.8 rebounds per game as a starter last season. And when he took two-point shots, he shot about 65% from the floor. Tried to shoot a few threes, didn't necessarily go well, but 1.3 blocks per contest. Him going to Stonehill is big because one thing that Stonehill was really lacking last season is that they really didn't have much of anything down low. So being able to get someone like that, you feel good about them moving forward, and I feel better and better about Cal moving forward as well. Mike Meadows, he was solid this last season at Portland. Really, I like what he was able to do when he was at Eastern Washington a few seasons ago, but with Mr. Meadows, he has decided that he is going to be heading on over to California. As we know, with Cal, they were able to get a really nice kid 
early on in the transfer portal with Fardaz Amick going over there, but with Meadows was limited to just 21 games this last season, but in two years at Portland, shot about 34% from three-point range, 10.5 points per contest. He's always been a good free-throw shooter, a career 85.5% shooter at the free-throw line at Portland two years ago as well. Was able to average about three assists per contest, so someone's able to dole it out honestly better than any of the guards at Cal had this past season. So you can tell that the recruiting trail, it is going well. I do like what that has been going on this offseason for them because they get one of the best coaching hires, in my opinion, that you are going to find for them to be able to get Mark Madsen from Utah Valley, just a quadruple A+. Plus. So things going northward very quickly for this Cal team. Chris Nix, he was playing over at UT Martin this last season. He decided that he's going to be going to Texas State. Now, UT Martin was far from the world's greatest defensive team, but I do think that he's going to be able to fit their system, and I think that he's going to be able to do a nice job down low. This last year was able to average 6.5 points, right around 5.9 boards per contest. Not necessarily an offensive seller, but someone that's able to hit the glass, someone that's able to give you a very good effort in general. So we shall see how he's going to be able to do at Texas State, but I do think that he's going to be able to fit in that system. Pete Oduru has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. I believe that his brother is Josh. He played seven games. As we know with Josh Oduru, he followed his coach in Cayman English over to Providence. We shall see if this is going to be a little bit of a package deal. He's probably going to be a walk-on regardless, so not too much of an impact guy, but did think that that was a little bit interesting as you also saw Shamir Ruthan Mays decide that he was going to be entering into the transfer portal. He had one of the biggest fall-offs of anyone that I've seen in all of college basketball. His freshman year at Youngstown State, he was averaging 10.5 points per contest, shot about 34% from three on a little bit less scoring two years ago. 2021-22 season, only about eight points per contest, but was able to shoot 38.5% from three. He just completely fell out of favor this year. He went from averaging 29.5 minutes as a freshman per game down to 11.6 minutes per contest this season. He was only able to give the team about 2.9 points per contest, so that was a very rough season for him. We shall see if he's able to find a good landing spot and be able to work his way back up. We did see Talik Chavez decide that he was going to be going to Louisiana Tech. It's been a very interesting offseason for Louisiana Tech because they've had quite a few losses, but I do think that some of the gains that they have been able to make have been solved for Chavez this last season. Over at Charleston Southern, actually began his career at Iona. He was able to give the team right around 11 points, 2.5 boards. Not a guy that was really going to be doling out the ball a whole heck of a lot, but two seasons ago was able to average a seal per contest in his two years at Charleston Southern. 36% three-point shooter for Louisiana Tech. It was very much a hit-or-miss team from three-point range, to say the least. He joins Devin Ree, a guy that just really didn't see the floor a lot for Louisville, but has some good tools at Daniel Bacho, who at six foot eleven was very good at Texas Tech this last season, more of a true low-post player. So he's gotten a little bit of everything for Louisiana Tech thus far this offseason, so they're certainly looking to retool. Ethan Duncan, he was essentially a walk-on at Texas Tech. He's going to be going down to Lubbock Christian. This is very easy for Andy Cap. All you need to note is that Mr. Duncan was at the D1 level this last season. He has decided that he is going down to the non-D1 level. Just cross him off your names of lists of guys that you need to evaluate, and you're able to move on from there. UC Irvine has now lost pretty much your entire backcourt from last season because we saw earlier in the offseason, DJ turned it up Davis, go to Butler, and now Dawson Baker has decided that he's going to be heading to BYU. For Baker, he was a very good microwave scorer, shot 37% from three-point range, led the team with 15.3 points per contest. Someone that, if you need him to, he's able to facilitate a little bit, but not really going to be his forte. He's more of an off-the-ball scorer, able to shoot 37% from three. And for BYU, they do need those guys. We have seen them in past years really be able to have their best success when they do have that one guy that's able to go out there and just light the world on fire. We recall what Alex Barcelo was able to do for this team many years ago. Even someone like Brandon Everett was on that team as well, being able to stroke it from three-point range. I think that that is very important for them, getting a guy like a Dawson Baker that has all sorts of experience and so we'll put the biscuit in the basket. I think that that is going to be nice for this team. Raquandis Mitchell, he is both going to be entering into the NBA draft process, but he also decided that he was going to be entering into the transfer portal as well. Someone that put up big numbers this last year at UMKC, the good old Kangaroos, with 17.3 points per contest. The only guy that really doled it out a lot and not the most efficient of shooters. Took eight threes per contest and shot 30.5% from three. Really out of necessity that they use him so much. 
at six foot five, he's able to get buckets. And part of the reason why he was so inefficient is that a bad shot for him was better than a good shot for so many of his teammates. As it's a Marvin Menzies style offense, so you know what to expect there. But going to be very interesting to see what his prospects are as he's now out there in the transfer portal. Boston Holt, he was playing this last season at Utah. Was able to put up about two points, one and a half rebounds per contest. Actually began his career at the junior college level and was a highly touted Juco transfer, but just has not been able to give the team like a lot of anything as he was limited just three games in his first year at Utah during the 2021-22 season, but he has decided that he is going to be going to South Dakota. At South Dakota, I do think that he is going to be able to do some good. At six foot six, he's got really good versatility. You take a look at what he was able to do over at the junior college level, and I do think that he is going to be able to refine some of that form. I don't think that he's necessarily going to be lighting the world on fire, and it's going to be showing that same form that he did when he was putting up like 11.5 points, 7 boards, shooting it really well from 3-point range, things of that nature. But I do think that he is going to be a solid contributor for a South Dakota team that they just badly need defensive versatility, and he is going to be able to provide that. Nolan Dorsey, he's able to bring to the table quite a bit. He has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. He was playing this last season at Holy Cross, actually began his career in New Mexico, and became a starter for Holy Cross this last season. Shot about 36% from three-point range, gave the team six points, two and a half assists, nearly a steal, 4.3 rebounds per game at six foot five. He's really the master of none, but very good at very many different things, sort of players. So, I'm going to be very interested to see where he goes because I think that he might be a little bit of an under-the-radar get. Dario Domingos, he was playing this last season at UT Arlington. And while with the Mavericks, he was able to give the team some relatively okay production when he got minutes. Three and a half points, about two and a half boards per contest. Provides a six foot eight body, so he's able to give you that. Not necessarily a guy that's going to go out there and light threes. And I do think that he has a possibility of being a little bit of a shot blocker. He has decided that he's going to be going to Tarleton State. Now, what is going to be difficult for Domingos is that with Tarleton State, this is a team that they very much predicate themselves on ball hawking, being able to get a bunch of turnovers. I think that they're probably going to be looking to play a little bit more up-tempo this season as well. And with UT Arlington, it was one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. So I'm going to be very fascinated to see how he's able to make the jump. Might be a little bit difficult for him, but I do think that he should be able to find a little bit of footing over there at Tarleton State, a team that they just really badly need bodies in general. Nikita Kotsinatovsky, hopefully I said that correctly. The gentleman from Ukraine that was playing at Tulsa, we're going to call it that, is decided that he is going to be heading on over to Monmouth. Was limited just two games this last season. He was unable to get out there on the floor. Began his career at Northeastern Oklahoma A&M where he was able to put up some numbers, but a little bit more of a project player. Even in the year that he was fully healthy for Tulsa, was only able to average right around two points, 2.7 rebounds per contest at six foot ten. Not one of those guys that comes over from overseas and is necessarily able to shoot it from three-point range. So, Mammoth, they've got themselves a little bit of a project. With Mammoth, they just need any sort of athletes that they are going to be able to get in general, and it certainly fits the bill for them. So, very fascinating to see how they're going to be able to utilize him, but should be an upgrade from what they had this last season. This one is very interesting. Is Dallas Grizzani. He was a part of that Nova Southeastern team that was able to win the Division II national title. He has decided that he is going to be adding on over to Sam Iamford, put up really good numbers for a team that was able to take down a title this last season. And he shot 35.5% from three-point range, was able to give the team right in that pocket of about 11.5 points per contest. But the big thing was he was incredibly efficient with the ball. His assists per game were right around 6.7, and he really didn't turn it over too much. His turnovers per game hovering right in the neighborhood about 1.5 while he was giving out 6.7 assists per game. So this is going to be really good for Samford. Samford has always been a team that has been looking to build themselves around guys that are able to generate steals over at Northwest Southeastern. He was able to do that as well. This is just a tremendous get in general for Samford. I recognize that it was at the D2 level, but Grizzani, I think, is going to be able to come in. He's going to be able to make an instant impact on that backcourt. Absolutely love the pickup that they were able to get. Kyle Kardacki, he has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Well-traveled man began his career. Bryant spent some time at Cobb State. This last year at St. Peter's, the old Peacocks, he was able to give the team six points per contest. Three-point shooting fell off. It's top year at Compensate. He was able to shoot 40% from three on six threes per contest with nine and a half points per contest. He only shot about 29% from three-point range this season at six foot two. Not a guy that really doles out the ball like a lot, so 
and is ailing him a little bit as well. More of an off-the-ball shooter, so we shall see what sort of market is out there for him. Chandler Turner down for what? Had a relatively solid market, and he's decided that he is going to be heading over to Radford. Put up good numbers this last year at Bowling Green. Bowling Green did undergo a coaching change with Todd Simon taking over the program, so that caused Turner to bolt. But for Turner, he was able to give the team 8.5 points, 5.5 boards, a guy that's able to pop threes, and two seasons ago, did shoot 37.5% for three, down to about 27.5% from three par inches past season, but at six foot seven, good versatility. I think that Radford is going to be able to utilize him well now. Bowling Green was not necessarily the world's greatest offensive team a season ago, but I do think that with the coaching staff that is in place for Radford, they should be able to help him out quite a bit. Aaron Eulis, he is very familiar with the Big 12, and he is going to be staying in the Big 12 as he has decided that he is going to be going from Iowa to Nebraska. Was the start of this last season at Iowa. He's never been a great three-point shooter at 31% from distance, but was more of a glue guy. Six points, two assists. He just made little plays for this team. One of the lone guys for Iowa that would actually play a lick of defense as well. So that's always something that brightens up your day and warms your heart. So we shall see what he's going to be able to provide for Nebraska. But I do think that that is a quality gift for them. And then we did see another gentleman for Iowa decide where he is going to be going as Josh Ungalede. He has decided that he is going to be going to Middle Tennessee. We've seen Middle Tennessee do quite a bit of this. They pick up a guy from the power conference level that doesn't necessarily see a lot of minutes. And they will turn him into a star with Ungadele. He was out there for about six and a half minutes for contest. Didn't necessarily see like a lot of playing time. Right around 1.9 points, two rebounds per contest at six foot ten, two eighty-five, and an up-tempo Iowa team. You could tell that he just wasn't necessarily the world's greatest fit for the team. But if you go back to when he was being recruited out of high school, two four seven sports had him rated as the number three prospect for the state of Massachusetts. So I do think that this is going to be a relatively solid kept for them. You can't blame anyone for not wanting to be in the UW Green Bay system and. Brock Hefner is the latest to decide that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. I actually played for a year at Hawaii. Never really got out there on the floor, but began his career at Hawaii. This past season, he was able to register about seven points, just under a block per contest, two and a half rebounds at six foot seven. So we're going to see what his market is. I don't think that it's necessarily going to be as big as this man, who now becomes figuratively and literally the biggest man in the transfer portal with the fact that Jamarian Sharp is off the board. Connor Vanover, he was at Oral Roberts this last season. At seven foot five, gave the team 12.7 points, 3.2 blocks, seven and a half boards, and at seven foot five, shot 32 and a half percent from three and over 80 percent at the free throw line. As we know, Oral Roberts they lose their coach in Paul Mills during the offseason as well. So he was gauging whether or not he wanted to return. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. So I'm going to be very fascinated to see where he ends up because I do think that there's going to be a team that's going to be very happy to have a guy that stands right around 7'5 and is able to pop threes. James Graham has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal as well. Part of that big haul over at Missouri State where they got like a billion transfers this past offseason, but just was never really a fit. Averaged four points, two rebounds per contest. He was playing at Maryland a few seasons ago, and prior to going to Maryland, he was not necessarily like any sort of five-star guy or anything like that, but you know what? 247 Sports had him rated out relatively well. I think that he was more in that top 150 range. He was a number two prospect from the great state of Wisconsin out there in the Milwaukee area. Just could not really find his footing either with Missouri State or Maryland at six foot eight, he's able to pop some threes. He's able to give you some good athleticism, but just has not been able to find it. So we shall see if he's able to get that good landing spot. Glenn Taylor Jr. is hoping that he has found that good landing spot. He was playing at Oregon State this last season and over at Oregon State. Things were not necessarily going well for them, and he has decided that he is going to be going to St. John's. St. John's has really been investing heavily in Iona guys, and as we know, they are going to be keeping Joel Soriano on the roster as one of their main guys returning from a season to go with Slick Rick Pitino taking over. But I do think that with Taylor Jr., he offers versatility. He just doesn't necessarily do one thing great. He shot 31% from three, 11.5 points, two assists, 3.7 rebounds per game as a six foot six, little bit of a combo player. I don't necessarily know how he fits in with St. John's. If you give him a role, I'm sure that he's going to be okay with it. But I just don't know if he's going to be someone that's going to be too much of an elevator or anyone that does anything more than plays like 10, 15 minutes per game off the bench. So very curious to see how he fits in there. Patrick Mwamba, he was playing this last season 
over at Oral Roberts. Put up for Oral Roberts right around 8 points, 5.5 boards. Shot 37.5% from 3-point range, and he is going to be going to Loyal Chicago. Loyal Chicago looking to just wash away the stench of what we saw from last season and have really turned over this roster a little bit. I think that they realized that they did need a little bit more size. And Mwamba has always been a good rebounder. This last year, Aurora Roberts, he was really able to work on that three-point shot. I think that he is going to be a good fit with the system. I do think that what well, might be beneficial for the team as well as bringing in someone like Mwamba, who is used to playing a little bit more up-tempo, because I did notice that Loyal Chicago this past season, they were looking to play a little bit faster. Felt like there were a lot of guys that were sort of lagging behind and getting tired late in games. Mwamba should not have that issue. So a good gift for Loyal Chicago. And then we did see Dewan Gordon, who was playing this last year, and New Mexico State really didn't put up good numbers at New Mexico State. Nine and a half points, five boards, shot 27% for three season before at Missouri. He put up eight and a half points, four boards on 36.5% from three at the SEC level, but he has decided that he is going to be going to UT Arlington. This is a massive win for a UT Arlington team that last year they had really good pieces, but I felt like they played a little bit too slow for their own good. They played a slow, grimy game where they just stuck a lot of their opponents in the mud. You tell them when they played a little bit more up-tempo towards the back half of the season, you're thinking, man, maybe that's the way that they should have played all season long, but adding in something like a Gordon, that is certainly going to be able to help out their rebounding, and he is going to be joining Fred's Paulus Bagatiste, who comes in as a six foot eight, little bit of a combo player from Georgia Tech as well. So there's clearly a theme with what UT Arlington is doing out there in the portal. And the theme of this podcast is doing everything humanly possible to be able to make you some money. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Big thanks once again to Blake Lovell, who does great work over at Southeastern 14, for joining me in the last segment. Hopefully, we'll be able to get some conference previews started in about a month or so. The transfer portal hoopla has certainly been going on. We need to wait for that to calm down before I'm able to do some conference previews, but I am certainly keeping that in mind, and hopefully, we're able to get those going soon, and I'll be with you guys every single day on this podcast, which means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today.